Fanning. Weekends on 2FM. Now, this week a Swedish film festival promised attendees a mind-bending experiment. Visitors to the festival are going to be challenged to lose control in the cinema by being hypnotised, otherwise known as a publicity stunt. And seeing as we're talking about it, it's obviously working. Doing something unusual to attract attention for your cause has been around as long as it's been advertising. And Africa's here now to tell me about some memorable publicity stunts. Do tell me about some memorable publicity stunts, Africa. And start, by the way, with this thing here. What is this and where is it? Hello, Dave. Happy New Year. Oh, hello, Dave. Happy New Year. Uh, Yeah, so the Gutenberg Film Festival is, uh, they do this kind of thing all the time. They are big into publicity stunts. This year, the festival directors are planning to put the entire audience of the festival under hypnosis by hiring a hypnotist for three gala screenings. So there's a film called Memoria, which is uh, premiering another film called Land of Dreams and Speak No Evil as well. So before each of the screenings, a hypnotist is going to appear on stage to transform the audience's state of mind in accordance with the mood and theme of the film. You you can do that yourself with a bottle of wine. Have you ever been hypnotised? No, I never have. I'd be too afraid. Yeah, would you do it? No, I'd be (laughs) People do it live on TV. What if you couldn't get back out of it? Well, I mean, that's the whole point. (laughs) Much more than that. What happens when you're in it? Anyway, I have too many many grievances. Exactly, exactly. So by the way, like this crowd, it's not the first time, is it? No, 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 no. This festival in particular is mad for a publicity stunt. So um, they say the hypnotism thing is going to, it's all about changing the mood of your mind for the film. But last year, Year, the same film festival did a kind of a theme on social distancing I guess and they took it to the absolute extreme so festivals around the world loads of them were cancelled and all that kind of stuff because of the pandemic but Gothenburg didn't uh, they escalated the social distancing situation so over the course of the week that they were be- that the festival was being held they held screenings in two urban venues for just one festival attendee so one festival attendee had to go <laughs> and see all 70 movies or whatever it was oh, by the themselves oh, exactly one movie. No, oh. going by by themselves to see all the seventy films, and they sent a single viewer to a tiny barren island in the North Atlantic in a lighthouse to watch seventy films from the film festival because it was about isolation. Oh, very good. And did they get the publicity <laughs> they needed? And the, the, they did, did, did yeah, did because they everybody the was like the movies. because stupid people like us were talking about it. God, well, is this yeah, amazing well, show? Well, and whatever. And then the other thing they did last year, this or in twenty nineteen rather, they they celebrated their fortieth anniversary, and they held an extreme intimate screening of a new science fiction film called Aniara inside what what it called a custom made sarcophagus so the person had to watch the film inside a coffin basically Great. okay all right so, well, t- tell me about Blair Witch yeah so this was one of the this is one of the early viral marketing kind of um things so Blair Witch Project was made on a budget of basically nothing and so the the marketing can be the difference between a box office like smash and a failure for something like that with a really tiny budget but the Blair Witch Project remains the gold standard for viral marketing guerrilla marketing they call it in 1999 the movie was preceded by obituaries so for anyone not familiar with the Blair Witch Project these kids go into the woods in search of the Blair Witch and it's all kind of it has the feel of found footage and stuff like that for anyone who hasn't seen it. A lot it. of weird things happen. A lot of snot. A lot of... <laughs> 
That was. There's much more snot than you'd expect in any film, actually. But they said, uh, so yeah, so what happened was they preceded it by obituaries, a fake documentary and loads of guerrilla marketing online. They also went around schools and colleges dropping in videotapes um, as a kind of a awareness campaign. That Don't this go near this place because exactly, there's a Blair Witch. Exactly. So the actors were listed as missing, presumed dead <laughs> on the IMDb website. And uh, the movie went on to make nearly $250 million and the original budget was 60000 Yeah, that's a, a, Pretty good, decent, a good return. A good day's work, in fairness. Do you want to know about... Uh, the, you wouldn't be able to do this now, but uh, dropping loads of bottles into the ocean. Dropping loads of bottles <laughs> yeah, into the ocean. Guinness did this. Yeah? Yeah, so okay. the great Guinness bottle drop, you would not be able to do of this what now. year? 1954. Okay, and what did they do? Greta Thunberg was not around yeah. for this. So the Guinness Company did a publicity stunt. They dropped 50,000 bottles. It's ridiculous now you think about it. In 11 locations in the Atlantic, Pacific and Indian Oceans. Each of the bottles contained a parchment message informing the finder that he or she had found a special Guinness bottle and requesting the finder to provide their name, address and location and date of where the bottle was found to Guinness Exports Limited in Liverpool. The first of the 50,000 bottles was located in the Azores within three months of the Atlantic bottle drop and they built, so that wasn't enough for them, they built on the success of the 1954 bottle drop and they decided to recreate the idea as part of the bicentenary commemoration in 1959. So they celebrated two in uh, in that year, they celebrated 200 years since the establishment of the company and to mark the occasion, 150,000 specially embossed bottles were dropped into the Atlantic Ocean from 38 ships over a period of six weeks. Um, they're still turning up the bottles. Okay, just they're turning that up. again. So, in other words, 50,000 bottles, first of all, in 1954. Yeah. yeah. They were there in the Atlantic and the Pacific and the Indian yeah. Oceans in big boats and yeah. threw them overboard. And there was a parchment to say, you have to tell us if you found this yeah. bottle. And did you get anything? <laughs> I don't think Is so. There no prize? I don't think you even got a, a, a pint. Like, <laughs> I don't think you got anything out of it. You just had to tell like, them. You had to open the bottle, <laughs> see the parchment, and think. Maybe, and, the, maybe the price of the stamp back or Very something treasure. or the envelope or so whatever. you don't get any for it. You just get the, the, and the, bo- the, the bottles bottle. are still turning up because this was oh, such yeah, an, envir- an environmental oh, yeah. like murder that they're still turning up. Um, so that was the great Guinness bottle drop as, as a publicity stunt. Michael Jackson was a big one for the publicity stunts. He uh, the, the marketing for his history album in 1995 uh, was the kind of perfect example of all of that. So that he reportedly suggested executives build a statue of him to create a buzz and they did and they didn't build a small one and they didn't build just one they built nine 32 foot Michael Jackson statues which were all placed in European uh, cities and I remember this actually one was floated down the River Thames in London do you remember that no, to promote the I album do you actually. not, not really, no. you missed that this is mid 90s this is, I was probably doing yeah, something else 1995 yeah, yeah. Right. so you, yeah you were probably doing something more valuable Um it, this so this kind of is a different feel of a publicity stunt because the the Brooklyn Bridge this was to kind of promote safety but P.T. Barnum was also promoting his uh, shows when he when he did this so in eighteen eighty four. Um, it was after the Brooklyn Bridge, uh, which is one of the most recognised works of architecture in New York, and if not in the world, the the it's a suspension bridge, so it carries 150,000 vehicles and pedestrians across the East River every single day. But when it was built, people were worried because in 1883 they were frightened to even set foot on the structure in case it would collapse. Um, 
So city officials were desperate, having spent millions on this bridge to ease some of the concern. So they reached out to P.T. Barnum, who's, you know, the greatest showman is about P.T. Barnum yeah. and stuff and his, his circuses and his shows, um, to, to demonstrate the bridge's strength. So on May 17th, 1884, they, he paraded 21 elephants across the length of the Brooklyn Bridge to assure its safety to so residents of New York. The elephants were the guinea pigs. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't work. They, oh. dropped, they were Nobody dropped That's off. So anyway, so that was the main thing. Right. Um, another one, which was kind of uh, interesting, was uh, a, a company called Half.com, which is now defunct, unsurprisingly. Um, they sold books and music sales uh, or, or music... Um, records and stuff and CDs and that and they tried to get on the map so in in 1999 they Half.com convinced the tiny Oregon town of Halfway to change its name to Half.com in exchange for a package of economic incentives such as subsidised internet and a company call centre and the town ended up getting not much money off them before they disappeared off into the distance and all the other promises were unfulfilled yeah there was a there was another one where um, the there was a company called LifeLock and the CEO was called Todd Davis and it was basically a security company it would keep your information safe online. In 2006, they did a fairly misjudged uh, marketing campaign where Todd Davis published his um, social security number, which is basically the number that gets you and everything in the States, the most important number you can have. And the idea was that the LifeLock's identity theft safeguards were so ironclad that he faced no risk in publishing his social security number. But the reality was, according to subsequent reports, that his identity was stolen at least 13 times after. Was anything, like, did he lose anything? Well, I think, yeah, people were writing checks in his name and all this kind of stuff and trying to take out subscriptions to various things yeah, so LifeLock silly. didn't really work but he said that it was uh, he said that even more crooks had tried to use his social security number and failed thanks to, yeah exactly <laughs> so it wasn't as bad as it could have exactly. been basically is what, what he was saying yeah. now do you want petrol scented cologne or yeah. do you want the Hollywood sign or do you want Captain Kirk let's take petrol scented <laughs> cologne and then the Hollywood sign okay so electric vehicles are growing in popularity and Ford is doing its part to make sure that they don't don't miss the unmistakable smell of gasoline or petrol, depending on what country you're from. In a July stunt, which is tied to the release of its all-electric Mustang Mach-E GT, the Ford distri- distributed, or Ford debuted, sorry, a uh, cologne called Macho. So it's M-A-C-H-E-A-U. Yeah. So which is a fragrance that smelled not just like petrol, but car interiors, rubber tyres, and even an animal element according to The Verge. But unfortunately, Macho won't actually be sold, so electric vehicle drivers need to settle for the oh, little trees. So that's not really... Okay, yeah. give us the Hollywood sign one. I'll give you the Hollywood sign one. So it was the most universally recognisable landmarks in the world, but loads of people are unaware that originally the sign had absolutely nothing to do with the movie industry. And it was, in fact, a grand-scale marketing stunt by the real estate developer who wanted to sell houses in yeah. the dismal suburb thus, of Los yeah, Angeles. Just the last four letters, L-A-N-D. Exactly, so... So he, he called it Hollywood Land and uh, the billboard was 50 feet high and became the talk of the town and everybody wanted to live there. And that's the <laughs> They all lived happily ever exactly. after. That was a very quick ending. Very good. Well, do you want Captain Kirk? No, no, do you have no, time? No, no, you don't, don't have time. time. I knew no, you don't no, have time. No, no. So then forget it. Publicity stuff.
Johnson was Africa O'Connell. Thank you very much. Dave Fanning, weekend on 2FM.